medicine price hikes, shortages and credit limits. Some of the most serious issues in community pharmacy during the COVID-19 outbreak have been linked to wholesalers. What do they have to say about these issues? How have they handled the massive surge in demand for drugs that arrived with the pandemic in March? To answer these questions and more, I spoke to the Executive Director of the Healthcare Distribution Association, who represents the UK's largest wholesalers, Martin Sawyer. He told me how wholesalers have survived the last few months. So Martin, what has the COVID-19 outbreak meant for wholesalers? Well, thank you, Thomas. I think it's been unprecedented, um, and that's not a word I use lightly. Um, it has been an extreme test of the existing supply chain all the way through, um, certainly from manufacturers making sure there was enough of the product in the UK, being able literally to continue delivering. Um, we were offered army support, but the existing system uh, survived that uh, very, very busy three-week period through to, and all, both those sections of the supply chain were working as hard as possible to maintain supplies to the front line. And we appreciated that community pharmacy, hospital pharmacists, dispensing doctors were the front line for us. And it was important that we maintain that link and it wasn't broken uh, in any major way. Um, there were lots of ups and downs and, and challenges um, in the wholesale world. Office staff went to work on the on the shop floor. Uh, some wholesalers were working 24-7 um, for a couple of weeks. There was unprecedented demand. Um, sometimes a, I read in one depot a week's worth of Ventolin went out in one day. In one day one of our national wholesalers shipped 4.2 million packs. The increase was absolutely incredible. Um, the challenge for wholesale again as i say was unprecedented but we appreciate it was for lots of sectors um, it was a bit like the supermarkets at times we were struggling to keep up with the demand the demand had been provoked by different prescription patterns suddenly coming into the supply chain um, obviously patients being very nervous and demanding all sorts of extra amounts of things particularly otc products from pharmacists and pharmacists themselves quite understandably struggling to cope both with that and the fact that infected patients may be entering their pharmacists. So we've had, we had a lot of sympathy uh, with the extraordinary work that pharmacists were doing, which I think needs to be recognised financially um, by the government. And, and I think our members and our staff were very keen to try and support that in any way they could. And, and the support that they gave was well received by pharmacy. And we heard great stories up and down the country of pharmacists um, being very grateful for the fact that supplies continued and I'm pleased to say the system didn't keel over and as I speak now at the very beginning of May um, the demands are back to normal for community pharmacy um, so I hope that the systems will stabilize settle down but clearly there will be holes and gaps where demand dragged out extra product um, compared to normal and we have to work with manufacturers to backfill that and that will produce anomalies and, and stutters in the supply chain. And, and there's no getting away from that fact. But I'm pleased to say the system survived. Our focus now is a bit more on hospitals because clearly ITU units and, and hospitals need a lot of um, critical medicines, palliative care for, for several months. And likewise in the community in primary care, those palliative care medicines will be under pressure uh, for some time going forward. So we're trying to work with the NHS. We're trying to work with the Department of Health to maintain a stable supply going forward 
but I certainly hope we're over the worst. But it has been an extraordinary few weeks, and I, and I think I would say for, the, for on behalf of the wholesale sector, they have um, really risen to the challenge, and I believe you know there should be some pride devoted to the work that they've done at this time. It has been a great example of of the system being flexed to the extreme and, and coming through it. I appreciate there were lots of bumps in the roads and not everything was done correctly. Uh, mistakes were learned, but uh, mistakes were made rather. Hopefully lessons will be learned going forwards um, for the next preparatory period as we build up stocks in the future to make sure that we can cope again. Did you, did you find that the preparations for Brexit with stockpiling helped in any in any way to in, in uh, Britain's response to COVID-19 and this unprecedented surge in demand um, or is, is that was that unrelated and had the stocks already been used by by the beginning of March when this demand started to peak? No I think you're right uh, Thomas um, luckily the UK had those stockpiles which had come down and started to be run down from the end of January this year but they were still standing at over 80 percent i believe of the of the maximums achieved last year because of the uncertainty of 2021 um so yes that did help us with a buffer uh, and i've been on calls with european colleagues where the fact that uh, obviously they didn't have those buffers has been more challenging um so i think the uk on the medicine supply side anyway fared better because of those brexit stockpiles um and and working with Manufacturers and pre-wholesalers were able to shift a lot of quantities very quickly physically because they were already in the country. So I think there's no doubt that that did help um, ward off some of the worst effects we've seen in some of the other countries. Yeah, an, an unexpected bonus from, from stockpiling, I think. Um, and what has the HDA been doing during the, the last few weeks during this massive surge in demand? Well, as a very small trade association with limited resources, we've had to really focus on the things that matter. And um, with guidance from my board and chair, we've had regular three times a week board, board meetings by, by phone, of course, and Zoom. Um, and because of that, we've been able to focus on the things that would really affect businesses. So we, we concentrated on sort of five issues to start with, um, things like getting key worker status, which was critical, um, and we're thankful that the government recognised the role of pharmaceutical distribution in the supply chain. I think getting that key worker status, and then from that flowed several uh, issues like getting test access to testing, which again gave confidence to our employers and employees um, that. Uh, you know, there would be more stability in the workforce generated and, that was, and some of our smaller members suggested that was a game changer for them. So I think that was very important. On the other side, we worked very closely and quickly with the MHRA who, who responded um, very fast on giving some flexibilities so that we could make sure that supplies to pharmacists were not delayed by regulations that in a time of crisis um, needed to be uh, shall I say, amended or, or, or lightened a bit. So inspections have been put off, rather like the GPHC. So the MHR inspections have been delayed, um, so not to tie up people. Um, WDA licences and GDP licences have been extended, that sort of thing. So and, and, non, and deliveries to pharmacy don't have to be, can be contact free, for example. So all that sort of thing has been really helpful and we're grateful to the MHRA for responding so quickly. Likewise, the Department of Health have 
official, officials have been great, so they've set up regular calls with us, um, two or three a week sometimes, um, as, as an association, just, to f just so we can exchange information and get answers back about whether we should do this or that. And then the other, the other things we've set up as an association is regular calls with other stakeholders like the pharmacy bodies, the manufacturers, um, as well as being engaged weekly now with the MHRA and the Department of Health, as I previously mentioned. So I think we've, as an association, prioritised on communicating to our members, but getting back from them what would really matter and then putting some pressure on, on the authorities to help change or at least get some feedback on whether we should do this particular process or that particular process. And as, as I say, the authorities generally have been very accommodating. They've had a lot on their plate, but they, they do seem to have been uh, reacting well in some, some areas and uh, not so much in, in others. Um, with the Im impact on, on pharmacies, a lot of contractors that we've been talking to have been saying that they've been reaching the, the credits limit on, on the wholesale bills, which is like potentially catastrophic because if, if pharmacies can't pay, pay for medicines, then they, they, they can't dispense them and patients won't, won't get their drugs. Um, what can they, they do if, if this happens? Is this a real concern? And is there a risk that pharmacies will not be able to buy medicines? Well, I understand from my members that the credit limit issue um, obviously is a, is a critical and important issue for pharmacy. Um, and a, a lot of the extra purchasing will have caused um, uh, the purchasing numbers to, to hit those, to get close to those limits. But I, I know that the wholesalers have put on extra customer service teams to try and deal with certainly all those regular customers um, who have that issue. And I, I have been told that there is a lot of flexibility being allowed and that would be um, something that would be normal in this situation, a lot of flexibility on those, on those caps. Um, so if there are any challenges, um, I would only suggest that it should be uh, a small number of pharmacies getting those challenges back and they may be pharmacies who are dealing with wholesalers who are not HDA members for example um, or smaller wholesalers because I think the larger wholesalers are certainly proving to be more flexible and if there are any issues with some of with any of my members then please do pass them on and I'll put the pharmacy in touch with a particular wholesaler because they are certainly trying to be as flexible as possible and notwithstanding that we also support the pharmacies um, drive and demand for more government support um, as I think they will get in Scotland for example I think they should get the same in England and Wales and the, the 300 million should not be a loan if you like forward loan it should be actually an extra payment to pharmacy because we do appreciate the extra costs of drugs at the moment it's costing us more as well um, as well as the extra challenges um, to deal with Covid um, 19 and customers coming into their stores so we certainly support pharmacies require need for more more funding so, so there, there isn't ever a real risk with with the larger wholesalers that um that they just wouldn't be able to send pharmacies medicines because pharmacies had reached the credit limit on their account not if they're a good customer going you know in the past that should not be a problem no that's, that's good to hear and how have medicine shortages been, been affected by, by COVID-19 from your perspective? Because we've, we've heard a lot of reports um, that they've been worsening, that certain supply lines that have, have always been uh, fine is suddenly out of stock uh, because of this massive surge in demand for certain items. It is more varied because of the 
uh, unusual demand patterns um, as you describe. So, for example, wholesalers are having to manage almost twice as many products into pharmacy as before because they haven't always got the wholesalers haven't always got the stock from the manufacturers in the quantities they used to get. You know, and you can imagine the whole world is wanting certain groups of products. Um, and manufacturing is global, so it is much more of a challenge. There will therefore be ups and downs in day-to-day -day ability of pharmacists to get hold of products. But I think overall, in the macro sense, um, the UK has it is not in a serious um, immediate shortage situation, um, which I know on the ground at the front line isn't necessarily so reassuring when you can't get a medicine that day or the next day but I think the the reassurance I can give is that the medicine the medicines are there they just might not be in the right place at the right time because rather like supermarkets if the demand is in, a, in the wrong place or for the wrong products then there will be the shelves will be empty for a, for a brief time but the products behind all that are there they're just not necessarily in the right place when a pharmacist might want them which I know is not helpful initially but I, I want to just send a message of reassurance that we're confident that the product is coming into the UK from abroad from places like India uh, and increasingly China and the products will be in the supply chain we've just got to make sure we can get them through quick enough for pharmacies as demand starts to settle down a bit so I know it's been tough um, and obviously some of the generic prices have, have, have shot up because that that reflects the prices our members have had to pay um, but I think, I hope things will start to settle down a bit more to, to some sort of normal pattern, uh, unless there's a manufacturing problem um, at, at some area in some particular, um, for, for some particular medicine, which I'm thankfully, uh, we haven't seen as many of those this year as we did last year. Yeah, another um, potential silver lining from, from, from Brexit there is, is that this, the supply chain has become much more reactive and there's been much better communication it's interesting that medicines have, have are in the supply chain but just maybe in the wrong place does that mean that they're they're in Shropshire and they should be in Lancashire uh, does it does it mean that they're caught in pockets uh, throughout the country uh, like why are they getting stuck not yeah not really Thomas what I meant was they might be um, still with the manufacturers and not yet at the wholesalers um, I mean I'm talking about the Higher, they might be higher up the chain. It's it's easy for us as wholesalers to move product from Shropshire to Lancashire. We can do that overnight, so that really shouldn't be a problem. Um, it's more the fact that it might it might be in pre-wholesale and not down to wholesale yet. You know, it's trying to un there's 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 a, there's a delay in the requirement at the front line sometimes being reflected in the draw through of product from the manufacturer into wholesale depots because we don't always can't always predict the prescription patterns. Many pharmacies have reported price hikes in items such as paracetamol and and, and certainly this leads to the accusation that wholesalers are increasing their prices and, and exploiting pharmacies. Do you know whether whether wholesalers are increasing their prices above the drug tariff price and, and why, why they might be doing this? As you probably know, the wholesale prices, which, and I can only comment on HDA wholesalers um, and paracetamol for example is a, is a difficult product because a lot of it's OTC so there's literally hundreds of wholesalers involved in that market um, not you know most of them not my members um, as well so something like um, the generic 
price market, um, certainly for prescription drugs, is rely it depends on the price that we buy it for in the first place from the manufacturer. Um, so it's reflective of demand um, and supply. Uh, simple as that. Now, if on prescriptions, if the government isn't reimbursing pharmacists enough for those prescriptions, then I'm afraid it's their system, uh, their generic system. I think they need to, pharmacists need to lobby hard, which they do through the PSNC, um, for correct reimbursement on prescription medicines. In the OTC market, um, you know, it's a different um, market, which we, as HDA, we don't really get involved in. Um, so if you have any, if members of yours, or not members of yours, readers of yours, sorry, have any particular issues with any particular HDA members, then please, I'm happy for them to let me know and I'll take it up with them because it, as I say, it reflects the price HDA members know about this. It reflects the price they buy it at. The, the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, has already sent a communication to all wholesaler dealers. So that's all two and a half thousand wholesaler dealers in the UK a month ago to say that they are observing uh, all prices in the market for medicines and any anti-competitive behaviour or unusual price hikes will be investigated. So I would only say to you, uh, Thomas and your readers, please report any concerns to the Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like uh, good good advice. Um, I just have one, one, one example here uh, from Mohammed Faisal Din, who is a contractor based in Manchester. Uh, who said he said that for one twenty eight tablet box of sertraline one hundred milligrams, uh, the drug tariff price is one pound fifty five, but he's been charged fourteen pounds ninety nine by by some wholesalers. He didn't he didn't name the wholesalers, um, but uh, is is this that is this kind of um, massive surplus of price something that you've you've encountered, um, and is. It, is, is it the best thing to do just to report these prices? So, Thomas, I, I would do, taking the last point first. Yes, I think um, the pharmacist concerned should report these prices. Um, and your first question, part of the question, the HDA does not discuss pricing with its members, so I have no visibility of pricing, I'm afraid, um, for individual products. That's not our role. PSNC has a role in pricing as a statutory body. We are not a statutory body. So... I think the pharmacist needs to report it to the PSNC if he's really concerned, the CMA, um, and indeed the the manufacturer or the wholesaler, because there will be, if he's very concerned, um, you know, questions that might need to be answered. I do know sertraline has been under pressure more generally across the supply chain. I've heard that fact, but I've not. I have no visibility of prices. I'm afraid. Okay, Martin. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that's all of my questions. Is there anything that you? had that you wanted to discuss further um, around what we've spoken about or anything else? So, well, thank you, Thomas, for the opportunity. Um, I think that I would just like to close by saying that we, as the wholesale sector, um, do truly want to support the front line. And the front line in this COVID crisis has been pharmacists, their staff, um, dispensing doctors and the hospital pharmacists that we supply to that's been our front line and we want to make sure that um, we can maintain that that vital link i think the supply chain is has been under pressure like never before um, and i think everybody involved in it can come through the last few months uh, with a feeling of pride that the system has been flexed and survived and we now need to understand what the new normal is in the new 
demand patterns because clearly they've been shaken up and turned on their head a bit um, because of this pandemic. Um, and I want to pay tribute to all the pharmacists that have, have stood up through it and are working very hard around the clock. And I want them to know that the wholesalers are there with them and have been doing their very, very best to maintain supply and will continue to do so because um, the pharmacist customers are our number one customer and we need to support the, the vital work they're doing and I do hope they get the funding. We're all in this up together in an unprecedented time. We need to continue working together in the coming weeks and months. We should applaud the efforts of everybody in the supply of medicines and recognise the challenges we all have been facing. And we need It's a time now to work constructively to solve them going forward and, and, and perhaps try to create a much more integrated approach to medicine supply. Yes, a, a positive note to end on, which is uh, always required in these difficult times. That was the HTA's Martin Sawyer. To conclude this podcast, we have a positive story from Wicker Pharmacy in Sheffield, whose chairman Martin Bennett wrote a letter to his MP about the state of community pharmacy funding during COVID-19. The MP, a Conservative called Alexander Stafford, wrote back. Mr Stafford said, Naturally, I want to see our community pharmacies well-funded so that they can continue serving our communities up and down the nation, and I understand your concern. Accordingly, acting on your email, I have tabled a question for the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care about guaranteed and adequate funding for community pharmacies. You rightly wanted an answer to this point, and I shall get it for you. As you would have heard, at the time of recording this podcast, there has not yet been any confirmation from government that pharmacy teams would be eligible for the death and service payment of £60,000 should they die of COVID-19. If you'd like to take action on this issue, uh, you can sign our petition on change.org, which is now on almost 10,000 signatures, or you can send a letter to your MP using our template. Links to both of these are on the CND website. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe via iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thanks very much for listening.